And as I said, half of the team are still up there. So Rory is up there with Kendall's Fundo and the rest of the interns. And they're only coming back uh, tomorrow. Uh, but myself and my dad, and then we had all the E's, the Jenny, the Wendy, and the Shelleys uh, came with us. And uh, we had an amazing time. And I just want to quickly show you a couple pics. Um, and I'm sure the, the interns, when they get back, they'll do a little bit kind of more of a reporting. But here's just a couple pics from the trip. This is top of Sani Pass. Um, and then uh, from the top of Sani through to Mahotlong used to take about an hour and a half too. But now they've, I think the Chinese have built this road for us, which we're very grateful for. But anyway, this is inside the little mission base there. Uh, and uh, we had amazing food. This is a little town of Mkhotlong, just walking around. And it's an amazing town, actually, uh, just so peaceful. These guys, we left the young people to play Monopoly till the early hours of the morning. The bullies went to sleep. Um, anyway, this is just a view from uh, Mdati's uh, house where we stayed, or the mission base, looking down to the little town of Mkhotlong. And look at that view, guys, just incredible, looking towards like the, the north side of uh, um, what kind of northwest side of Lesotho, and then we went. Uh, oh, can we show that video first? Of the uh, we went to this little church. So Mdati's planted quite a few churches, I think twelve, and this is just inside the little tent meeting. This little church, uh, about 10 kilometers out of Mkhotlong, have been meeting in a tent, but during the winter months, it's too cold, so they meet in a little house. And God is doing something amazing. I remember just walking up the, the, the side of the mountain towards this little church, and you could just feel the Spirit of God was alive as these people were singing. It was amazing, actually. They, uh, we went back again the next night, and people just start singing. And I was thinking about how it would go down here. You know, it's just like you just start arriving, and while the band are still plugging in, setting up the sound system, everyone just starts singing, you know. No countdown time or nothing. And uh, it was just amazing. But this church has been hoping to buy a piece of land so that they can actually become established in this little community. Because they've got a church in Mahotlong, but a lot of the people from this little area, this valley, don't necessarily, well, can't walk there. It's about 10 kilometers to the church on the other side. And for them to be taken seriously as a church, they need to have a base. So they've been meeting out of this house, and then they have hired this tent for, you know, a, a little time. And they really were hoping to buy a piece of land. So we went and met with one of the guys who had some land for sale. And the one piece of land was uh, 10,000 rand, which was further up the hill, but it was pretty steep. So we were like, I don't know if that's going to work for you. So I just wanted to report back to us as a church because we all get a part to play in this. As a church, we give out and we tithe, as I said to you many, many times before. Um, we, we believe in the principle of that, even as a church. Many uh, nonprofits and churches don't necessarily do that, but we believe to do that. So we bought a piece of land for this church. And this photo is us negotiating with this particular guy. And I'll show you this piece of land. It's much better. And um, next pick. Oh, that, this is how you buy a piece of land, by the way just on a little full-scale piece of paper. And that mealy piece is, is the piece of land we bought. It's an L-shaped piece of land. And right next to it on the right is the house of one of the ladies very involved in the church. And literally right next to that is the tent. So it makes complete sense. It cost us a little more. It cost us 30,000 rand. But we managed to buy this piece of land for this community. And look at this little next video of them celebrating when we told them. They're pretty happy about this piece of land. Okay, Some give sound? us uh, amen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know why the video paused. Okay. 
Can we try show that again? Because you need the sound on with this video. And this lady was so sweet. The whole way through the preachers and the talking, she would just shout, amen. Is it frozen? Oh, frozen windows. One Windows computer in this whole place. <laughs> anyway, uh, and I wanted to quickly call Wendy up. She uh, came up with us, and, uh, and uh, just, just a quick question or two, Wendy, um, how you enjoyed it, how you, you, you hung out with all the, the, the young people, and, uh, but it was just an amazing time. Well, at least you referred to us as Tunnies and not Bullies. Yes. So that was a good thing. Um, I did go on a mission in 2007 with my old church, Tula Sotu. Um, I went again in 2012 to Uganda, but when Hilton said he's putting it out to the church for this, I thought, well, I'm like 16 years older now, so maybe I'll just go for the two days. And so I just contacted Hilton, and we did it. But I think, I have made notes because I'm obviously a little bit nervous, but uh, <laughs> I think what I got out of it was humility, gratitude, and relationships. And you know, when you see the kids, what they've got, you know, plastic ball, made out of a plastic bag. Mm. No cell phones, no games, no, just that. That's what they're playing with. We did see one soccer ball. Yes. Um, you know, and then you go to the classrooms and they're sitting there orderly. No teacher, but they were all sitting there until Hilton went in. <laughs> <laughs> they got a bit rowdy. Then they got a bit rowdy because obviously he was doing his card tricks and his coin tricks and all that sort of thing. Um, and I think also just the church. You know, we have everything here. People, it's too cold, it's too hot, it's load shedding, we're sweating. These guys are in a tent. There's no tea, there's no coffee. And let me tell you, the closest toilet to that tent is up a dirt road and it's a long drop. So we really, really need to be blessed and grateful for what we have yes. here. And relationships. There was a new, renewed relationship with me, with Ndati and his wife. Um, seeing Roger and Hilton with their relationship. You know, you miss a lot when you just, yeah? Lots of banter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, just to see that father and son relationship, absolutely amazing. Um, my dad drove us up there, but he was too slow, so I said, I'm driving back. And then like, I'll take him to the edge, you know, coming down so he passed, Hilton, no. <laughs> the, sun, the sun's shining and he says, no, no, I can't see the edge. I can't. All I can see is the runners. Sure. Well, your dad nearly, he was, I took a photo. He was hanging on to the car like this. <laughs> he says, I can't see the sun shining through, but I'm driving. I said, neither can I. And he's like, Hilton, stop. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, we didn't really get to know the interns that well, but we did spend time with them in the kitchen and out, but they went down, obviously, to paint the dormitories. And, yeah, those dormitories are really... Obviously not like our boarding schools for our kids. Those dormitories are actually like safe houses, mm. shelters for the kids that are abused, you know, from out and about, and they get brought in, so it's a shelter for them. Mm. Um, deepened relationship with my two roommates, Jenny and Shelley. Um, but you know, and I have to read this because it's a lot easier. We always think that we go on a mission and change and teach the people we come into contact with. But when we come back, <clears throat> we realize that we have changed yes. and we have been taught. Yeah. And we were actually the receivers of a greater blessing from those we went to serve and bless. Yeah. So I just encourage all of you, really, you know, 
Next time I will go longer than two days. Yes. But I had to break it in gently for me. Okay. Thank you. Uh, let's thank Wendy. Amazing. Amazing. So we're going to go up more regularly. Um, that's for sure. Just reconnected with Mdati and Seppo. He says hi, by the way, to Colin and uh, Scotty. What's that? Is it working? Oh, you've got to just see them. They're just so happy. Okay, let's try it again. They're pretty happy about this piece of land. Okay, give us an uh, amen. She did that the whole way through uh, the preachers as well. She just shout out, man. Anyway, they are so happy. And we would actually like to go up there regularly. It's not, a, it's not a far way. It's four and a half hour drive. I mean, obviously, stop a little bit along the way, you know, on the way up. But we did stop a lot. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, they, they've got a, like a dorm there with rooms with bunk beds in it. And sleeps, you can sleep about 20 people. There's hot water, guys. Okay, there's hot water. There's toilets. And it's just amazing just to go and experience different culture, different lifestyle. And honestly, they are happy. They're grateful. And we're just, uh, just so privileged to be able to be part of this church, bought the land, and now they're going to start making their blocks. And as a church, uh, we would like to try and help. I think we can. Uh, it's going to cost about 50,000 rand for them to build a facility that will seat about 100 people with a toilet. Isn't that amazing? So next time we do a mission trip, maybe, uh, what are we now, second term, maybe third term? I'm, I'm trusting there's going to be a lot of people that are just keen to get involved, okay? Because now some of you are feeling like you missed out. You did, okay? <laughs> but you can come next time. Anyway, we better get going because it's a full service, so much on. Um, but we are, as I said, on a series celebrating freedom off the back of Easter. We had uh, Fiona speak uh, so powerfully and just shared a bit of her own life. We, um, we had Scotty speak so powerfully last week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Did you enjoy it, everybody? It was just amazing. And then Adele is going to be speaking next week on, on freedom. And then Colin is going to be here with us for Mother's Day, which will be a real special service as well. But when I think about freedom, the first thing that comes to mind, kind of, I'm sure if I just say freedom, what do you think of, everybody? William Wallace, Braveheart. Uh, I wish we didn't have copyright issues because I'd love to have just played you that scene, but Rich tells me that we just can't do things like that. They'll just take our service down because of copyright. There's technology that um, basically um, finds anything that is streaming online, whether it's video or music, and it, it gives us a strike because we're not allowed, uh, we're not authorized to show it uh, on a live stream. But anyway, when I think of freedom, I think of William Wallace, and for those of you who haven't watched the movie Braveheart, um, you know, the Scottish uh, are going to war with, with England, and, and then he says to this large crowd, what, what should we do? He's on his horse, and I'm definitely going to try my Scottish accent, uh, but they look and they consider the daunting size of the English army in front of them, and the one guy shouts, we will run and we will live. Do you remember that? Um, and William Wallace says, run and you will live at least a while, and dying in your beds many years from now, would you be willing to trade all the days from this day to, to that for one chance? Do you remember that? Just one chance, and then he says, to come back here and tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And he charges off on his horse, and he riles the whole army up, and they get all worked up, and they celebrate this freedom. So when I hear the word freedom, I think of that. But I think within all of us, there's this desire and this longing to be free. It's in us, and I believe God put it in us to be free. None of us like to be confined. I know some of you struggle with claustrophobia. Before my dad gets in the car, he opens the window 
to make sure before he closes the door. I'll never forget one time he got in, we had one of those Chrysler voyages and he got into the back and the doors shut by themselves, but there's no windows. There's only that little back thing that flaps open. So as, my, as the doors close, my dad says, uh, where's the window? And I said, there isn't one. Well, as I said, there isn't one. He just, uh, it was like zero to hero, just, just shaking the door. Let me out, remember? And then I was like, the more he tried to pull on the door, it wouldn't open because it's automatic. I said, I need just stop shaking the car so I can push the door. And then the door eventually opened and he just burst out, you know. And then he had to uh, sit in the front and Janina went and sat in the back. But I think most of us feel that sense of, Confirm. It's, it's not how we meant to live. It's not how we meant to be. God put that longing in us to be free. I remember even with our kids when they were younger, fighting with them to sit on a car chair and how they just fight it. Some of our kids, as you put them in, they'll just go like that and arch their back and you're like trying to push them down and lock it in. Any parents out there remember that? But I also think, you know, that all of us from young, even till now, just wish we could fly. Do some of you as adults still just wish you could fly? Could you imagine like, I don't know, just jumping off a mountain and just being able to fly? Like you look at the birds and it's just incredible. I think that is this longing for freedom. But the enemy wants to stop that. He wants us to avoid fighting for freedom. But thankfully with God, we don't need to face this fight and these struggles on our own. We all have fears, anxieties, and worries that that enslave us and confine us. But we don't have to be trapped any longer. We don't have to be victims. And this verse that we've been speaking over the past few weeks is Galatians 5, verse 1. And uh, if you haven't been here the last few weeks, uh, let me just remind you of it. It says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. That's why he came. It's for freedom. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Just a couple words there to pick out. This word burden is basically, it means carrying a load. And many of us go through life feeling heavy, full of guilt, full of shame, carrying a load that we weren't meant to carry. And no wonder we can't feel free and can't feel light. Um, that word uh, yoke there is, um, we're not really familiar with it, but they would use it on oxen, but also slaves. And I saw the most horrific picture. It actually almost brought me to tears of what a, a, a yoke is basically a frame that you'd put around a neck and you can just stick the picture up. Um, this is how they would treat slaves. And they would uh, put, bind them all together and then set them out in the field to work and to pull. And basically they all had to continue together. If one was feeling tired or wanted to sit down, they would just, he would just get picked back up with everybody. And I mean, how's the, the string through the nose just to pull you like you're... You're an ox. I mean, it's just terrible. But, but I show you that for you to feel the weight of that. That's how some of us live. Being dragged along, pulled along by the enemy. Believing the lies. Heavy, full of guilt, full of shame. And what's crazy is in the scripture, it says, don't, don't be burdened again. Because what he's saying is Jesus came to set you free. And then now you're free. Now you go back. And you're burdened again. And it's, it's interesting that the Israelites and reading, uh, you know, through the Old Testament uh, as we are on a journey as a church, reading through the Bible, how some of them wanted to go back because it was familiar. And we've spoken about even prisoners, when they get out of jail, they, wanna, they, they find security and comfort in their, in their cells and in their confinement. And it's, it's the routine of that as well. So they, they actually commit crime to go back. And he says, don't be enslaved again. Don't go back. And the exciting thing is that once we begin our relationship with God, 
Once we, we start to get to know him and walk with him daily, the next step on this journey is to be free. Not just to meet God, say a prayer, hey God, I know you, but actually to be free. And I just want to give you two steps to get free, just kind of two thoughts. And the first is this, allow his power to transform and heal you. Allow his power to transform and heal you. And the power of our relationship with this loving Father, this loving God, it provides us with courage and with strength and resilience to, to face the old wounds, to face the hang-ups, to face the issues and the destructive attitudes that many of us carry. When talking about issues, I heard someone once say, you got an issue? Here's a tissue. Um, I'm not going to say that to you today, but, um, but those are more like those petty type of issues. You know, you got an issue. But the theological term for this next step in being free is actually a term that some of us are quite scared of, and it's the word deliverance. And I know it, it sounds a little bit dramatic and, and scary, and it's usually a lot more subtler than that, and it's more this gradual road to becoming free. The word deliverance means rescue from evil. It's a rescue from evil. That's what Jesus came to do for us. He came to deliver us. In, in the dictionary, it also speaks about salvation, that we've been saved. The word deliver means to set free or liberate. And the example they actually give in the dictionary is the Israelites were delivered from bondage. They were delivered. And so often we, we think of this term deliverance like as a scene from the exorcist. You know, we get all scared. It, it can happen like that. It can be quite dramatic. I mean, I've been in environments where we prayed for people to be, to be set free from some spirits. And I don't want to scare you today, but, you know, stuff happens. There's a spiritual world that is really real. But for, for many of us, there's, it's this gradual process of understanding who we are and believing and receiving our freedom. And it's, it's, it's facing the painful scars of our past and inviting God to heal us in those areas. There's many things that we can just be healed of just by coming into the presence of God. I really believe that. And we've heard, heard stories here, even in our church, as people just been in worship, God has brought healing. And it's not only physical healing that we need healing of, but emotional healing, healing and mental healing. I love the way Chris Hodges speaks about this. He says it's, it's about dealing with our yesterdays. We all have a yesterday, and it's about dealing with those. And there's a word that a lot of young people aren't taking seriously these days, because I've got kids of my own, but it's the word responsibility. <laughs> taking responsibility. And it's not just young people. I think even uh, when we're adults, we're sometimes not so good with this. And I was literally thinking about this this morning and responsibility, and, and I wrote this down, God will give you the ability to respond, responsibility. I really believe that. He will give you the ability and the strength and the power to respond in the right way to what you need to take responsibility for, for the bad choices, the habits. And we have to take responsibility for our habits and behaviors and the sinful ways that we have been so accustomed to. And deliverance really comes down to that one challenging area. Sometimes there's a few. That one challenging area in a life that continues to have a grip on you, continues to hold you back. And I recently read a book called What's Next by Chris Hodges. And he says this, because often when we think of this one area, we can get quite legalistic and law with this. Oh, I'm not going to heaven. No, he says this, the struggle is not a heaven or hell issue. 
okay? The blood of Jesus has already taken care of that. No, this battle is a quality of life issue, a matter of how we will live out our earthly lives until we get to heaven. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life to the full. But many of us are not experiencing this life to the full because we're living in our yesterdays. Yes, we're going to heaven, but we, we're going there bound up. And that's what religion is. Religion is bondage. And it's that one little area, that, that, that area that we often pray about the most for God to take away. It's that one little area where we, we often uh, put down as a new, new Year's resolution to change. Or that one little area that's a dark secret that we can't share with everybody with anyone. And it's that one area that holds us back. And let me tell you something. The enemy would love to keep us distracted, distressed, and depressed. All starting with D, easy for you to remember. Distracted, distressed, and de depressed. That's what he wants to do in your life. And this imagery we often see in the Bible is, is that of slaves or, or captives or prisoners. You see Jesus often referring to that. I think it was quite, you know, they were accustomed to that type of thinking in those days. They had slaves and prisoners. And Fiona mentioned in week one, which was so powerful, showing us what it was like in that solitary confinement. I mean, that, that did something. That was pretty haunting, right? But there's this imagery in the Bible that Jesus often speak about, and, and that's freedom for the prisoners. Freedom for the prisoners. And that's not just literal prisoners that are sitting in jail cells, but that's you and I who are prisoners to what's going on in our mind. But you've got to know that's, that's why Jesus came to earth, to bring, and to, bring, to bring freedom to the prisoners. He came to live, die, and rise again to defeat Satan once and for all. Do you know the first thing that Jesus did when he started his ministry? Does anyone know? First thing that Jesus did, he was in the synagogue, and he got up and he read the words of the prophet Isaiah. And this is what he says in Luke 4, 18. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. So this was prophesied long before this. Uh, Isaiah was prophesying this about Jesus. Because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. To proclaim, proclaim the, the year of the Lord's favor. Can you see something here? This is why Jesus came. It was to set us free. That's the first thing he spoke when his ministry started. It was to set us free. And off the back of Easter, which we had a few weeks ago, Jesus died on a cross. He came to this earth, died on a cross, so that we could be free. Now we need to live free. And Easter is an amazing time of year just to remind us of what he did. And the heart of this kind of message series is living and walking in freedom. I think I said to you a couple of weeks ago on Easter that Jesus has unlocked the chains that are on us and around us, but it's now our responsibility to shake them free. Many of us can, the chains have been unlocked, but we still carry them with us. And because of our relationship with God and because it's been restored because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can experience his grace and his power and his freedom. So the first thought was allow his power to transform and heal you. The second thought of, of how we get free is this, and it's not like the simple point, but it's a sentence. By living fully in this new spiritual realm of complete freedom. By living fully, by being fully present in understanding what this freedom is. We're not so good at being fully present sometimes or fully understanding something. 
Some of you guys maybe at school, like, I didn't quite get that teacher, okay? I, I want you to understand this today. To become fully present, you need to receive what the Word of God is trying to tell you today. Because so often our minds can drift off. I mean, I don't know if you've ever driven somewhere, and you've, I don't know, you're driving past Pavilion, and, and the last time you remember, you were actually in Kloof, but you don't even have any idea how you got there. You didn't even concentrate. Have you, has that happened to anyone? We just drift off, Okay. I remember also just the power of our mind and how we can do things that our mind just overtakes. I remember this one guy at school used to sleepwalk. It was quite terrifying. And the one night I went to the toilet and he's kneeling on his bed and he's pushing the wall like this. I said, what are you doing? He says, he's ringing rising bell. That was the bell to wake up. But the bell was a bell that would actually do like this. And he's pushing the wall. I was like, my buddy, uh, I think it's uh, sleep time for you. And I just kind of lay him back down. Another time, um, the same guy went, <laughs> one of the guys went to total night and bumped into him in the middle of the dorm. And he was sitting at a desk with a chair from the prep room downstairs. And he was doing homework in the dock in the middle of the night. I mean, I know that, that, that's, that was really strange, but it just shows the power of, of the mind that he was dreaming, and I know sometimes there's some spiritual things that sometimes people believe when it comes to sleepwalking, but I mean, this is crazy, but it just shows how powerful our minds are, and we are on a spiritual battle with our mind all the time, even when we're not fully aware, but there is a battle going on. How often have you found yourself just speaking things, saying things, and your mind just takes you off in a different direction, and you're like, how did I get there? We can have this negative spiral of thoughts and we are in a spiritual battle. And, and, and we see evidence of this because Jesus knew the power of this and that's why he came. He came to deliver people. That was his ministry. Look at what Acts 10.38 says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Because God was with him. He was setting people free because they were under the power of the devil. And what I've often found is sickness is often a symptom of the real issue, and that is being under the power of the devil. Now, I'm not saying you're demon-possessed if you got sick, okay? We, are, we live in a fallen world, but, but what I'm saying is the sickness does not come from God. The enemy wants to steal, to kill, and destroy us. And often there's a link. Uh, I've even seen with people who have stomach issues, it's because there's a deeper spiritual issue, issue and sometimes there can be an anxiety or a worry. I mean, maybe you've experienced that before. I know sometimes even before I fly on a plane, you know, it's like, oh, stomach, shouldn't you go to the toilet before I get on this plane? You know what I'm saying? Just a few laughs here today, okay? You can be real and honest in church, right? I don't know, I'm, just, I'm not so keen to go down in a plane. You know, what I mean? you know what I'm saying? So I have to pray Psalm 91 when I get on a plane. And, and I'm not saying this for all people that have had cancer, but sometimes they've found a link with, with bitterness, with, 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 with a deep spiritual hurt and a brokenness and an unforgivingness in people's hearts. And it's amazing how our physical bodies can react to what we are experiencing the spiritual. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying all cancer comes because you are bitter. I'm not saying that at all. I think there's a lot of issues uh, and, and symptoms and reasons for that. I, I wonder just how much of the food that we're eating today is, is, is causing a lot of this. It's, it's terrible. Look at what 1 John 3, uh, 8 says, the back half of, three, of, of verse 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. That was the reason why Jesus came. It was to destroy the devil's work. 
And you have to know this morning, church, that you're not as bound as you think. Because remember, your mind can tell you things that aren't true. And we begin to believe the lies that the enemy feeds to us. These repetitive, negative thoughts that stop us from moving forward. I've got to be honest, I'm not a fan of a treadmill. I remember many years we uh, bought one because Jen wanted to start running and we were living in Assegard, it was a little hilly there, and she put the treadmill in the garage. I, I mean, I tried a few runs. I just, I couldn't do it. Just standing, staring at the wall out the window, you know, just running and like you're going, eh? and you just don't go anywhere. Well, sometimes you fall off the back because for me, as well, I'm quite competitive. I try and put it on the fastest one and just keep going. And sometimes you used to have to attach that little string there, you know, onto your shorts in case I did fall off the back, you know, and then it stops the, the thing from running. I don't know if you've seen those videos with these guys falling and then they like get, you know, flung off the back. It's, I find those things hilarious. Jin goes, oh, shame. That's her mercy gift. I'm like, that's so funny. Anyway, but I'm not a fan of a treadmill. And often life can feel like that. We're going, eh? we, we're trying so hard. We're trying so hard in our mind. We, we try so hard and we just feel like we're not going anywhere. And we, we just feel helpless. Now, I want to tell you today that we can't actually fix anything ourselves. So it's actually good to feel helpless because it means that we call on help and that is from Jesus because God can do this for us. And my question to you today is, do you want to take that next step if you haven't already? Do you want to break free from some of the things that have been holding you back? And the beautiful thing about God's word is it instructs us all the time and it shows us what to do. Look at what 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says. For though we live in the world, so he's saying, I'm aware that you're in this world, there's struggles, there's issues. We do not wage war as the world does because the world is on a treadmill trying to get fitter, trying to get stronger, trying to get ahead. The weapons we fight with, this is as Christians, are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. I'm gonna explain what strongholds is in a moment. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make obedient to Christ. That's what we have to do. This is a spiritual battle. We've got more powerful weapons because we work and, with God. And whenever there are lies of the enemy that are contrary to what God says about you, we take those thoughts captive. And it's interesting because that's where the battle often is, is in the mind. So the word stronghold there, so to demolish strongholds, in the Greek is a word called okiroma. Don't know if that's exactly how you pronounce it. I don't speak Greek, but it literally means a prisoner locked up by deception, or in other words, living life by some belief that is not true. And how often do we live our lives with a belief system that isn't true? How often are the things that we tell ourselves are gonna happen never actually happen? Or even lies about ourselves, and then when you, someone else gives you perspective, they say, oh, you're like crazy, that's the, the, the opposite of the truth. And you're like, I don't know why I was telling myself that. And we need to understand, church, that we have to start to pray and believe the Word of God. And that will help us overcome the work of the enemy. Strongholds are anything that exalt itself above God in our minds. So, so anything that pretends to be bigger than God in our minds. I forgot to get my magnifying glass. I had one in my office. I was meant to bring it down. But we all know what a magnifying glass is, okay? It magnifies something, okay? And how often are the issues in our life magnified when we should be 
magnifying God. He is stronger. He is bigger. And that's why worship is so powerful. Does anyone remember that old song? Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be praised. Anyone? Got a few nods from the bullies. Okay. But that's what it means. I'm going to magnify God so that my issues, I'm not saying they don't exist because we all have struggles, but they just become smaller. Because as we magnify God, make him bigger, it's amazing how when we get perspective, everything gets smaller. I mean, you just have to fly into a city like New York and you look down and it is just, I mean, it's spectacular. But everything looks so small. You can't even see people. Even those buildings look so small. But then you get down onto the ground and you walk down like Fifth Avenue and you just look up and everything seems so big because it's all about perspective. But if we have the advantage point, on the contrary, the Word of God says, God's view, God's perspective, everything becomes a little less that we actually have to worry about because God is so much bigger. And that's why worship is so important. And this issue and the struggle that we have or the secret, it's not bigger or more powerful than God. And we have the ability with the power of God to overcome it. Just want to talk a little bit about the lies that, that bind us and, and how often we lie to ourselves. It's often we live our lives based on a, a pervasive false belief of something. And I read this fascinating story of Elizabeth Smart. Does anyone know the story of this girl that was abducted? I think she was 14 at the time in America. And I just want to read this. Uh, here it says, you may recall she was abducted at the age of 14 from her home in Salt Lake City by a man named Brian David Mitchell assisted by his wife, Wanda Bazi, I think that's her name. Mitchell held uh, young Elizabeth Smart captive for nine months until she was rescued by authorities on a street uh, in Utah, less than 20 miles from her home. As Smart's story during her captivity unfolded, it was clear that she could have escaped several times before she was recognized by neighbors uh, in Sandy who contacted the police. Smart's abductor often took her out in public, Okay, but uh, she was veiled and disguised, and even to the local library once. During one such outing, the police stopped them and asked them if they had seen a local girl gone missing named Elizabeth Smart. Standing right in front of them, all she had to do was shout, I'm Elizabeth Smart, and yet she did not. Fed lies by her abductors, Smart was convinced something bad would happen if she told the truth about her identity. She thought Mitchell and his wife would hurt not only her, but also her family. Her fear of something that wasn't true kept her from being free. Isn't that crazy? The police were right there. Have you seen Elizabeth Smart? She was standing right in front of her. Or she'd say, it's me. But she was held in fear. And this is exactly how the devil operates in your life. But I want you to know something. He may have power, but he has no authority. And you have to understand that. He will keep feeding you lies. And then what we do is we accept that as truth. And it poisons our emotions and influences our actions. That's what repetitive sin actually just ends up becoming. And we all experience these strongholds and the impact that it has on our lives. They steal our focus and begin to consume our minds. They make us feel controlled by our desires and fears until we believe we're powerless to change. And we start saying things like, I will never be able to stop this. I will always be powerless when it comes to this. And soon this stronghold becomes our identity. And it's who we are. 
And then we, we focus only on our weakness and our failure and our struggles and our addiction. And we reduce our identity to what we believe our, is our identity. And we start think, saying things like, I am, I am a smoker. I am an alcoholic. I am an addict. I am a cheater. I'm a liar. I'm an adulterer. I will always fail. And we start to speak those things because it's now our identity. And Satan loves to imprison us this way. And again, just one little piece from this book that I was reading. I, I love this. He says, he wants us, this is Satan, to internalize our addictions so that his lies become part of our thinking, preventing us from knowing the truth of our freedom in Christ. Soon, his lies are so ingrained that we begin to make excuses for ourselves and justify giving into temptations again and again. This cycle consumes emotional energy. We feel increasingly hopeless. Our lives seem like one big failure, a constant battle without a moment's peace. We become convinced there's no way out. And as I'm even saying this today, some of you are already feeling anxious that this is how I feel or have felt. And churches to equip you and to help you, maybe, and pray to God not, but maybe this is something that you might still step into. But I'm going to give you some tools on how to get out of it. That's what today is all about. But this is exactly what the devil wants for your life. He wants to distract you from your God-given purpose. And his ultimate goal is to keep us from being effective. Because if he can keep us bound, we're ineffective. John 10, 10, famous passage says this, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you may have life and life to the full. I quoted it earlier. I love what the message says, though, uh, when it says life to the full. It says, a better life than you ever dreamed of. Isn't that awesome? Do you want a better life than you ever dreamed of? Well, that's what Jesus came for you to experience. Kind of come to a close. So I started something this last week. I know some of you who maybe on social media uh, follow this. I, I'd for many years thought about it, but I'd, I had my own negative voices saying, ah, people are gonna think it's lame. I mean, it, I'm obviously pastor at church, uh, you know, communicate to you people, but I, I thought like, is there something out there? I know a lot of people do podcasts and leadership things and use their social media like uh, for, from a preaching perspective. I've never really... Uh, there's no right or wrong, but it's never really just been my heart. I just kind of share in life and fun and adventure and, you know, kids and family. And that's just, I just want also people to think pastors are normal because <laughs> I think there's this perception. And, but every now and again, I share a thought or two. But I started this little vlog. Is, is that what they call it? I don't even know. It means it's a video blog. Okay. And I was reading this book about this guy who started a blog. Um, um, just forgot his name. He just, he wrote the book called Start. John Acuff, thank you. Um, and he, was, he, he wrote a few other books and he said so many times he's written stuff, hasn't felt like he's qualified and you know, people are gonna say, what do you know? And while I'm listening to this and processing where I should do this, he just says, just start, just start. Don't worry about fear of man or what people say. And as I was, I was running, I get in a message as I got home and a friend of mine, because uh, I did this little Insta story thing, a friend of mine says, hey, this is, what, what you shared really impacted me. It was, it was real, it was honest, it was raw. And he says, I think you should, I th he says, I think this is the start of something. Not knowing that I was reading a book and I was like, oh gosh. So I slept on it. I was like, oh Lord, I don't know if I wanna do this. Anyway, so I've started this little blog, just a vlog, sorry. Just, just some ramblings, some thoughts. 
uh, not trying to be too preachy because I've got a lot of non-Christian friends, uh, you know, on social media and all that, and just trying to be, tr- trying to be relevant to them. Uh, I'm not saying that I would be scared to preach the gospel and, and, and give the truth, but I just think there's a way to do it. It's also, there, there's a journey, there's a passage here. I'm going to just try and win some people over. But one of the things I was saying in the recent one about negative thoughts is they, they become toxic, okay? And, and anything toxic will destroy you. That's what toxic means. It, it, it's, it will cause serious harm and, and even death. And I was saying we need to recognize, reject, and replace toxic thoughts when we have them. We first need to recognize them, identify them, and go, you know what, this is not right. I don't need to live like this. Then we need to reject it. Tell the devil to mess off. Seriously, the Word of God says, I submit myself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You've got to resist him. We've got to fight him. When he's feeding lies to you, tell him to take a hike. Maybe it's the only time you can ever swear as a Christian. I'm joking. I'm not condoning you to swear. I'm just telling them to mess off, okay? Go away. Leave me alone. That's rejecting, okay? But then it's it's pointless just leaving your mind empty there because that's what a lot of this new age type of vibes. I'll empty my mind and it just comes straight back, okay? You've got to replace those thoughts with God's truth. What does God say about you? That's why you need to know the Word of God. And as you begin to replace with God's truth, it's amazing how you come alive. Courage fills your heart. And I started with brave heart and I wanna end with have a brave heart to overcome these strongholds and living free. It is, it's essential. And that's why I think life groups are so important. We're really trying to kick these back off again, but it, life and freedom is found in community. There's also an amazing course that we've been checking out a little bit. I know I asked Dan to look into it a bit and he was sharing some of the stuff uh, after the Alpha course. But it's a 12-week course and, and uh, we'll talk more about it going forward. But I, I really think I would love for the church to go on to this journey of this freedom course. I think it will just help us because there's so much more I could say, but I just don't have time. He, he goes on to speak about how important relationships are, community is, even vulnerability, being open and honest with things. You've got you to be open and honest with not only yourself, but with other people. Because do you know the Bible says, it says, um, go to God for forgiveness, but go to people. So basically repent, confess your sins to God for forgiveness, but go to people for what? For healing. Confess your sins to people for healing. Because it's amazing as we do that, that when we interact with other people, healing comes. Because often someone goes, hey, I struggle with the same thing. And you're like, oh, really? I didn't realize that. I mean, I, I've had so many messages this week going, I can't believe that you would have negative thoughts. So I said, well, what do you mean? Because someone was saying you come across as a confident person. I think we're all confident in, in at least some aspect, but we all have negative thoughts. I, I had thoughts saying, I, I don't think you should do this. It's going to be lame, mainly because of my kids. My kids still think it's lame, by the way. But anyway, I try to show them just some of the comments and it's helping people. I'm like, you don't have to watch it. Maybe one day you'll watch it and listen to me what I'm going to say. I did see my daughter like the one post. So that's a, that's a step. She didn't comment, but anyway. Um, but I just want to help people. I just want to help people be free. And the battle starts in the mind. Two scriptures and then we're done. God's word assures us this. 2 Timothy 2, 26. And they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. My hope and prayer today is that you will come to your senses. Come to your senses. And we need to be strong and equipped and be empowered for freedom. And we need God, because look at what Luke 11 says this in the message. When a strong man 
armed to the teeth, stands God in his front yard. His property is safe and sound. But what if a stronger man comes along with superior weapons? Then he's beaten at his own game. The arsenal that gave him such confidence hauled off and his precious, precious possessions plundered. And that is what is happening to many of us. We're standing on God on our own. I can do this on my own, but we're on the treadmill. We can't. We need God to help us. He's the one that will set us free. And in the words of William Wallace, and I want you to accept this God invitation, and this is what William Wallace says. He says, your heart is free. Have the courage to follow it. Your heart is free. Believe it. Don't believe the lies of the enemy, but have the courage to follow in it, to walk in it. And we need God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your words. Always so encouraging helping us. And that's always been your heart. We think of why you actually came to this earth and that was to set us free. And why is it, God, that so many of us today live bound, believing the lies with a certain mindset, bitter, twisted, hurt, broken, full of guilt, full of shame, trying to change something on our own, wishing we weren't like that, believing the lies of the enemy. But God, you came to set us free. It's for freedom, Christ has set us free. And from today, Lord, I just pray that many would come to their senses saying enough is enough. Resist the devil and he will flee. Right now where you are, just say it's enough. And in your own way, maybe later today or in your prayer time, you've got to speak it out because the devil can't read your mind. You tell him it's enough. Tell him to footsack. I love that word, eh? It's an awesome word. We can say that to the devil. Footsack. Fusak. You can say it, pronounce it differently, right? Tell him to go away and speak it out. And Lord, I pray that as we resist the devil and he flees, thank you, God, that you would just come and fill us by your Holy Spirit with God's truth of who we are. Your promise for, promises for us are good. What you say about us is good. We're your prized possession, your joy. Don't believe the lies of the enemy, church. The Lord wants to set you free. Now walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. Just receive it today. I really believe God is doing something in some of your hearts today. If you've really connected and identified with this word today, just almost sent yourself, open up your heart, say, God, I just want this freedom. I want to experience it. And when you leave the service today, walk in freedom, head held high, no longer full of shame, with a smile on your face, believing you are free. This is not mind power, positive thinking stuff. This is faith. This is why Jesus came. Set us free today, Lord Jesus, we pray. Set us free. And my last prayer is for some of you today who you basically being a slave to this world system. You've never fully surrendered your life to God. You will always be a slave until you've given your life fully over to God. And it's a simple prayer that I wanna just pray with you. And you can just pray quietly in your heart. But it's just a prayer, just giving your life fully over to God. And if you would like to pray that prayer, just, just pray, with, pray with me now. Just in your heart, just say, Dear Jesus, from today, I commit my life fully to you. Come and take my past, my shame, my brokenness, my hurt, my mistakes, 
Lord, I ask you to forgive me. Thank you, God. It's for freedom that you have set me free. Thank you, Lord, for dying on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. And come and live in my heart by your spirit today. Change me. Make me to the person that you want me to be. And from today, Lord, my commitment to you is that I'll place you on the throne of my life, Lord of my life. I will put you first. And I want to walk in your ways. Set me free today in Jesus' name. Everyone agreed and said, amen. Amen. Awesome. Hasn't it been a great service today? There's been so much. We've got Trans-Africa guys, the Lesotho Mission, and Miguel sharing a word. It's awesome, man. Just amazing today. Did you enjoy that? You feel encouraged, free? Awesome. So thanks for coming out on the long weekend. We've got a service again tonight, 6 p.m. If you think someone needs to hear this word, you could share them the link. But if they live in this area, bring them back tonight. Because I really believe for some of you, you need to invite, you, you were thinking, oh, I wish so-and-so was here. Anyone think that? Anyone? A few of you guys. Invite them. Tell them to come. Bring them along. So I'll pick you up if I need to. But bring them back tonight. Anyway, God bless everybody. Have an amazing Sunday. Coffee machine is on. Hot chocolate is going. And... Those visiting for the first time would love to meet you at Guest Central. God bless. Bye.